Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. I hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. Let me read you this story, and then we'll go into it in a little more detail. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse number 21. Then Peter came to him, him being Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. I want you to remember that phrase. That is one of the key phrases throughout the entire scriptures, Old and New Testament, when people are moved with compassion. We were studying that and about Joseph, and, and, and when Joseph was moved with compassion for his brothers, and I want to tell you something. I want you to keep that in mind. That phrase is, 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 is essential. When he was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his servant, fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not, and went and threw him into prison, that he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. When his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you beg me, should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. He should pay all that was due to him. Verse 35 says this. So my heavenly father will also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother. His trespasses. Wow. This is the best explanation of what I find forgiveness to be. Basically the story was this servant. I don't know what his job was. But I can tell you it required the use of money. He needed money to to do his job. Maybe he was a trader. Maybe he worked in the marketplace. Maybe it was one of those things where, where he... He was an investor, and he, it was his job to take the master's money and to invest it all into, into banks and into jobs. And for whatever reason, these investments that he made just never worked. Because I'm going to tell you something. You don't spend 10,000 talents overnight. Now think about it. This, this wasn't just, this wasn't just a... a uh, a small amount of money. This was a huge amount of money for the day. 
This was like this man would have been in charge of several different major businesses, and all of them failed at once. The master, as all masters do, every now and even we at the church bring all of our, our, our accounting into 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 tack all the time, make sure our accounts are all lined up and everybody uh, uh, is taken care of like they're supposed to be. And the master said, it's time to settle our accounts. He wasn't out for more money. He wasn't out to, to make somebody pay. He was just trying to settle everything up. Who knows, maybe the master was getting older and wanted to make sure he didn't leave anything undone for his children. Or maybe he was about to go on a trip. Jesus uses the story about a master going away on a trip. Maybe he just wanted to bring everything into balance before he left so he knew what he had to work with when he left. For whatever reason, the master of the story gathers his accounts together. Uh, he found out that this man not only owed him money, he owed him a lot of money. There was only, and, and this wasn't money, and listen, this wasn't money he could pay off in a lifetime. If it were money that the man could have paid off within his lifetime, he would have only sold the man. According to the law of the day, if, 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 if it was something you could pay off in 10 years, you were to go to prison for 10 years until the money was paid. Whatever you earned while you were in prison, because back then, the prisoners didn't sit and watch TV. They, they earned their living. And they made money for the prison. The prison paid off their accounts. So what would happen? So that way, so if the man had enough money, or was enough money, he could pay it off within his lifetime, uh, they would just put him in jail. But because this man owed so much money, they said, we're not only going to put you in jail to pay it off, but we're just going to put your wife and your kids. It would take generations to pay off what he owed. So it's a large amount of money. Now this man, I, we, we know that he, he, he fell down before the master and begged the master, and this is what he said. He said, have patience with me. Well, I don't know if you realize this or not, but patience is not going to pay off money. If this man owed so much money he couldn't pay it off in one lifetime, having patience with him wouldn't settle the score. It wouldn't, there was no way, he, he would have to borrow more money. Come on, follow me now. He'd have to pay more money, and then it would be completely a debt he couldn't pay. Because if that business failed, you know, kind of like uh, you had the VHS or beta, and all these put money, people put money in beta, and now we're in DVDs. Nobody, uh, you know what, betas are like doorstops now. That's <laughs> all they're worth. Even VHS tapes, for that matter, are the same way. But this guy had so many bad investments. Now, the master looked at this guy, and he realized this guy, even though he's begging for patience, and he says, I'll pay you all, the master knows it's a debt he can't pay. It's impossible. And, and maybe something inside of him looked at there and, and had pity on this poor guy who's still trying to save his family, he's trying to save his children, his wife, from this, for the rest of their lives having to work this off. And he looks and something sparks this word compassion inside the master. Now compassion is not a word we think a lot about today because it's hard to have compassion. I know sometimes going down the streets of Bellows Falls, you'll see people who you know are homeless. Some people you know that are, are without work. People you know, and you, part of you says, well, you know, there's more they could do for themselves if they tried. But the 
But the case is, most of us don't have compassion. When we're watching TV, and we see uh, TV shows, uh, uh, they used to do it during the daytime. They do it more at night when people are asleep now. But used to have those Feed the Children commercials. I don't know if you ever remember those. They used to come on in primetime all the time. I guess they can't afford primetime slots now. But uh, used to come on primetime all the time. And you see these children who are who are just who don't have any clothes on. And their, their stomachs are swollen. And there's bugs flying around their face. And, and we watch those commercials and go, click. Go to the next channel. You know, God intended for us to have compassion for the world. When the love of God is inside of you, His love, His love is compassionate towards the lost, compassionate towards the hurting, compassionate towards the needy. It's sad that that same compassion doesn't just ooze out of us or flow out of us freely. The reason it doesn't is because we in America have gotten so hardened in our hearts to needs around us that we think the need is too great for anybody to meet. So instead of doing our part to try to fill in our part of the need, what we do is we don't do anything at all. And our hearts become hardened. God, help us to have a heart of compassion again. When we see a little girl on the news has been murdered, it ought to fill us to tears. It ought to draw us. Listen to me now. I'm not telling you something you don't know. I'm saying it ought to draw us to our knees. There ought to be a time in us when we hear about people who have been kidnapped or people who are missing or, or embassies attacked overseas. It ought to draw us to a place where we fall on our knees and say, Oh, God, have mercy on us. And pray for those families who are suffering loss. You say, Pastor, if I did that, I'd have to do it for everybody. Why not? Why not? Why not have compassion for the orphans? Why not have compassion for the widows? In fact, when Jesus said, I will be a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. And if we're doing what he started, then we're supposed to do that too. It's a shame we have clubs like Big Brothers, Big Sisters. That should be church. Church ought to be in charge of things like that. But we have grown hard-hearted because we see a need we know we can't meet all of it. So because we can't meet all of it, we don't meet any of it. Pastor, you know what the Bible says, though. Jesus said the poor will always be among us. But you've got to remember, Jesus fed the poor. <laughs> he, did a, he did it really cool, too. <laughs> Loaves, fish, watch. Shaboom! Everybody's happy because they're full. Like I'm going to be after service. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. If we don't say, Lord, how can I meet the need? Pastor, I don't have any money. Peter didn't have any money either. And he was taking the lame by the hand and rising them up in the power of Jesus and healing the sick. He didn't need money to do it. He had faith to believe Jesus could do anything he had. Sometimes you've got to realize it ain't always about money. Sometimes it's about prayer. Because sometimes the, the physical need may be homelessness or, or, or hunger or, 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 or poor, but the spiritual need is greater than the physical need could ever be. For whatever reason, the Master had compassion on him, and, and the Bible says he released him. 
and forgave his debt. That's a twofold plan. Twofold purpose. And I don't think we understand it because we look at the right half of the story and we, we don't understand what that word means. When the Bible said he released him, it didn't mean he forgave his debt and let him out of jail. When he released him, he released him from servanthood altogether. Not only was this man free of debt, this man was free, period. This man wasn't just free of his money obligations. He was free of his servanthood to the master altogether. Free. Because I'm going to tell you what, whom the son sets free is free indeed. I'm going to tell you this, not only did he set him free from servanthood, he also forgave the debt. Now, this took a hit for the master. The master probably wasn't happy. Some accountant, I love accountants, tax collectors is a little bit different, but accountants, some accountant somewhere goes up to the master and goes, you've got to be kidding me. Do you know how much money this is? Ten. It's not like a talent or five talents, or ten talents. This is 10,000. Are you nuts? No. He knew in his heart it was the right thing to do. So here is the servant, and he is free. And free. And something happens to him. I don't know what it is, Probably greed, probably selfishness. But for whatever reason, the Bible says that when he left freedom, he went straight to the people who owed him money. And he went in, and the Bible said he choked him. He put the like the Chuck Norris chokehold on him. I, I just imagine this. Because I've seen a lot of action movies in my lifetime. He picks him up, you know, he gets a, you owe me money. Yeah, he, he's got him by the throat, the Bible says. Now, this guy didn't owe 10,000 talents. In fact, the Bible only says he owed him 100 denarii. Now, from what I understand, a, a denarii is like a. a, a either a day's wage or a week's wage. There's a little bit of interpretational differences between people. But even if it's only a day's wage, let's just say a day for, for the sake of today. Even if it's just a day's wage, he only owned him 100. In light of 10,000 talents, 100 denarii just doesn't seem like much. It would be like millions of dollars versus nickels. Which today some people work for nickels. Uh, but nickels. And this man says, you owe me. What could this possibly, this free man do with a hundred denarii? What was his point? He was free. He could go out, get a job, work. He could start over. His family was not going to spend their lifetime in servanthood. They were or in prison. They were free. And he goes off and he wants to steal this man's money. Now, granted, the guy owed him the money. Let's be real clear. The guy did owe him the money. But you would think after being set 
free and free, this guy would want to go out and do that for everybody. Listen, there is an emotional response that comes with the moment you realize you're free. I don't know if you've ever been free. And I'll tell you the closest I've ever come to feeling that moment was the first time I went down to the state penitentiary in Tennessee. And they locked those doors behind you. If you ever visit someone or been in prison, you'll hear those. And your heart skips a beat. Mine skipped four. (laughs) Because I knew the only way I was getting out was that guy behind that big desk, pressing that button and that lock, opening back up and I could get out. And I went in to visit the person I was with, and I prayed with them, and, and it was time to go. And I'd sit in the room and wait 45 minutes for the changing of the guards so they would finally let me out. And when they let me out, I remember that door opening and sunlight coming into the foyer of the prison. And I'm thinking, uh, I, ran, I literally ran from, from the locked door to the front door. And when I opened it up, the breath of fresh air hit my face, and I was never as free as that moment. Physically, anyway. My heart went back to normal beating again, and I got back in my car, and I said, Lord, help me never have to do that again. And he keeps sending me to visit people because that's what God does. And if you realize that, but Jesus said, there will be times you need to go visit people in prison. So we're just following the will of God. But he says, listen. He says, pay me what you owe. The servant said, I can't. And the servant who his fellow servant says, have patience on me. Doesn't it sound familiar? Isn't that just what this guy said? Have patience on me. I'll pay you everything. And he looks at this guy and says, no, and throws him in jail. Now, you got all these other servants who are walking around. They're looking at this guy who's just been freed and just been freed. And they say, I can't believe this guy has the nerve after feeling that kind of forgiveness, to go and do exactly the opposite to somebody else. So they go tattletale. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. They go and tell the master. And the master's so furious. I mean, he's not that furious. He's, he's really furious. He, he is mad. I can't tell you how mad this guy is, but he is, he is really mad. He says, listen, where's your compassion? Where's your compassion? Why, why can't you have compassion? You've just been freed of a massive debt. Your family has been freed of a lifetime of servitude, and you should be happy. You shouldn't be choking people, putting the Vulcan death grip on their neck, you know? You shouldn't be doing that. And then the Bible says he does something more fierce than a lifetime of servitude. The Bible says that the master became angry and delivered him not to prison. Didn't send him to prison to work off his pay. He sent him to prison to the torturers. Now, in this time, that's a different, that's a different punishment altogether. That's not a punishment over debt. That's a punishment over sin. Because he's freed of the debt. It's his action towards the other servant that got him sent to the torturers. The, listen to me. The master did not reinstitute the debt back on this man 
the master made this man pay for his torture to the man who he choked. Now listen. I'm glad there was a day. I was 15 years old. It was Thanksgiving weekend. I had been horrible to my parents. They had made me move from Memphis to the tiny, no good, nothing ever happening town with no movie theater, no McDonald's, town of Trenton, Tennessee. 90 miles away from my friends, other family, people I'd loved, people I'd grown close to because my dad had lost his job at Sears and he had to move up there. I had tortured my parents. I was failing school. I was making 20s and 30s. I mean, I was not going to class. I was, I was don't, don't listen to this, Elizabeth. But <laughs> come here, darling. You're going to school. No, uh, I had tortured them. And I showed up, and thankfully, I had a godly guidance counselor at that school who kept her Bible on her desk on top of the school policy manual. We used to laugh. She had her page marked to Habakkuk 3.2, which says, in wrath, remember mercy. <laughs> and she sat me down. She said, you have a lot to ask your parents to forgive you for. And I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. They, they, they're punishing me by moving up here. And, no, no, no. They love you. They don't want to be in debt and lose their home in, in Memphis. So they sold everything and moved up here to take care of your grandmother and just try to start over. After 28 years of working in the same place, Dad had to start over with a completely new job. And you should be, you should be more thankful that your parents love you enough to save you from going through foreclosure and, save you from, and, and, and doing this for you. I'm 15. I don't care. My friends are gone. I'm mad. God began to deal with me, and a man by the name of Reggie Dabbs was preaching youth convention that year. And uh, that night, it was Thanksgiving night, I went down to an altar, and the Lord set me free. Now, I had I'd, I'd asked Jesus to save me when I was five years old. When I was 15, I asked Jesus to forgive me. Forgive me for not doing what I should, for, for all the sins I committed that I knew I shouldn't have done, but I did because I was angry and bitter and mad. And Jesus set me free. And that night in the Tennessee ballroom at the Opryland Hotel where we were having our convention, I did a couple of victory laps. I was skinnier. I could move faster. Uh, I did a couple of victory laps, and I felt free. The problem is, I had some people back home I needed to forgive. Because it's one thing when Jesus forgives you of the massive debt that we owe when we sin. It's another thing when we got to start forgiving each other of the little minor and petty things that happen week by week. Do you know how many thousands of Christians are going to hell because they can't forgive the little things? When Jesus has forgiven us and saved us from a sinner's hell, we can't forgive each other. 
Jesus, in telling the story, makes it sound like the little things should never be a problem with the body of Christ. The family of God ought to be the quickest to forgive each other. Instead, we're at each other's throats the fastest because we feel like we deserve something. I'm going to tell you what. None of us deserve what God gave us. And we definitely don't deserve the love that others give us. But we give it because we should because it's the right thing to do. The master said, where's your compassion? You know what? The world's looking at the church today and they're asking the same question. Where's the compassion the church is supposed to have one for another? Because if what Jesus said last is most important, then we ought to learn if we don't forgive each other when we're mad at each other, we're not going to heaven. You don't know, Pastor, what they did to me. I don't need to. I know what he did for me. He did something for me that I cannot repay. Not in my lifetime or in two generations or five generations or a thousand generations. I can't repay him for what he did for me on the cross. And I want you to understand something from this pastor's heart. If he forgave me of the nastiness and sin, why is it so hard for us to forgive each other for the little, the little things? The miscommunications, the misunderstandings, the, the, what, look, one day you're going to show up to church in a bad mood. I get it. I have children, I understand. <laughs> some, of, some of you come in and, and the world has not treated you right. I get that. I get that. What I've got to learn is my compassion for you ought to be greater than your disgruntledness. And say, if you're unhappy, let me hold you and hug you until the love of God conquers everything. If you're that upset, let's be upset together. And instead of fighting each other, let's put our energy against the devil where it ought to be and put him under our feet. I'm telling you, it's the little things that just tear the church apart. And it could be settled with a simple, I forgive. And not just set free, but set free indeed. See, I forgive you, and I'm not going to hold it against you because I know later on you'll do it again. Because if the devil can give you a bad day once, he can give you a bad day again. If you wonder how bad life can get, read John chapter 15, 16, and 17. I know it's a lot of reading for some of you, but you can get there. Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he's telling his disciples, if the world hates me first, they're going to hate you too. If the world talk bad about me, don't think they're not going to treat you the same. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. Don't worry, don't let your heart be troubled. We gotta learn to forgive. Jesus said there ought to be something that defines the church different from the world. I got it. It's gonna be their love for one another. 
See, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. When we have these petty differences among us, when we forgive each other, love enters in. The world goes, wow, aren't those people ever, like, mad? Yeah, but we forgive. Well, aren't those people ever, like, disgruntled? Don't they ever argue? Yeah, but we forgive. Don't those people ever have a bad day? Every other day and sometimes twice on Sunday. But we forgive one another because that's what Jesus did for us. And every time we don't forgive one another, we're spitting on the sacrifice of Jesus. We say His forgiveness of us is not good enough to spark us into a state of forgiveness where we want to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Because if anybody deserved true justice, it's Jesus and we're the ones guilty. Our sins caused him to leave heaven and have to come to a cross and die. But his love said, I'll do it and no one will take my life. I'll give it freely. And that love ought to be the same in us. When we say to somebody, I forgive you, We've got to learn it doesn't mean that we're, that's just a word we say to make ourselves feel better. It's a word that only sets us free. It sets us free. It's not something that just sets us free from our obligation to them. It sets us free from bitterness, free from hate. I don't know about you. I don't like living in a bitter lifestyle. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Because when you're bitter and you're angry one day and you don't ask God to forgive you, guess what tomorrow is going to be like? Dig a little deeper. One day we're so deep in the valley of bitterness, we don't remember what started it all. I'll tell you what started it all. Unforgiveness. Jesus was so plain when he said, if you don't forgive men their sins, God won't forgive you your sins. And yet in the church, we ignore that scripture like the plague because it brings condemnation on us. When it should do just different, it should bring conviction upon us. Oh God, how hard has our heart been that we can't simply forgive one another? How hard do our hearts have to be that we can't simply say, you know what? That hurt me, but you know what? I forgive you. I know you had a bad day, Pastor. I know you had a cold and you weren't feeling well. You're taking medication and you're loopy. I forgive you. And I know you're human and you're trying to do better. I forgive you. And you know what? I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to put that in the file going, this is Pastor's file. Wow, it's getting thick. Wow, what's in there? Let me, this is because this is what we do sometimes. Every grievance we have against people, we'll file it away. We used to call those journals. <laughs> I know people that do that. They, boy, they got a journal for every, I mean, everything somebody's done, and then they write it down. Oh, God, help us to find the delete button. Say, so, you know what? I'm not going to hold that in there. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm fighting. You don't understand what I'm living in. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You're living on earth. You're living in a world that's full of sin and sinful people. Created by a God who's holy. Who wants you to be better than the world around you. 
He wants you to be separated from them. And when they say, I hate you, you say, I forgive you. When they say, I despise you, you say, I love you. How? You do it through the Holy Spirit by the grace of Jesus Christ. Because you realize this world doesn't stop when you die. Eternity starts when you die. And I, for one, am not going to let a single person on this planet keep me from entering into heaven. Because I want, a whole, I want justice. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> no, I want to be free. Oh, you didn't hear me this morning. I want to be free. I want to hit heaven's door knowing there's not a thing that holds me back. My accounts are settled too. I want to go to those people that owe me a hundred denarii and I want to say, you know what? It's okay. What the devil meant for evil, God has turned around for good. I forgive you. See, when Jesus forgave me, he gave me compassion and love and grace to forgive, just like he did. And I'm not going to hold you in count anymore. You're forgiven. Now go and do likewise. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Just, I just want to ponder this for a minute. Can you imagine the church full of forgiving people, free and free? Oh, worship might be, I don't know, lively. People... People come in and their conscience is clear. I'd love to see a couple of people just honking into, coming into the, you know, I want to get one of those horns. When I hit it, uh, 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 uh. this is the day. This is the, you know. Why? Because I'm free. I'm, I'm free. Jesus Christ has risen again and his purchase of his blood on the cross has set me free and now I'm free to forgive others. And give them that same joy. Listen, if you don't have joy in your salvation, you got trouble, folks. You're not free. David said, oh, restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Because there's something that should be happy about us when we're free. If you don't forgive others, you can't be free. And your unforgiveness will keep you bound straight to the gates of hell. You'll stand before the judgment seat of God one day, that great, great white throne, and he'll say, you loved me. Why couldn't you forgive them? Really? That's what's going to keep you out of heaven. You can't forgive. I know a lot of people that can't do it. Because they've never been freed by Jesus. But we as a church. And you know what Jesus said? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He wasn't talking about the world in this parable. He was talking about the church. And I want you to understand. If we don't start forgiving one another. We will find ourselves bound by our own sin, to the point we won't even be able to stand being around one another. And that, that seed will get thicker and larger until it will consume you all the way to hell. Pastor, why are you so anxious this morning? I don't want any of us to go to hell for unforgiveness. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm on his team. I don't want anybody to do it either. But we've got to start forming an a, a attitude in this church of forgiveness. And when you know you've done something wrong at somebody, ask for forgiveness. It doesn't hurt to say, I might have been wrong. I do it four times a week. Or more. Usually more. If we could solve these little problems, we could be free in 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 the salvation that Jesus provides. Amen? We need to understand and live the word forgiveness. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? We're so glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5 across from Roadway Inn in Bellows Falls. You can also visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you. Have a great day.